Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Josh Carlson with Hilltop Community Church, and this week's message is from our series titled Kingdom Come. Today, we will be studying Ezekiel chapter 41 with Don Bauman. Don, what do you feel is important to note as we study this chapter? Hi, Josh. Uh, Today, in Ezekiel chapter 41, we will continue on a tour through a temple in Jerusalem that has yet to be built, but will be constructed when Jesus returns to rule on the earth. I would encourage you to visit BibliaPrince.com to view an incredible 3D animation that accompanies this chapter. They're just wonderful artists. Now, the New Testament declares that we are temples of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells within every believer in Jesus individually and when we gather together in his name. So what does it mean for you to live in God's presence? May you be inspired and encouraged to focus on your time with Jesus each day by this chapter. Um, We are going to be in Ezekiel 41 today. Um, Just one reminder, uh, Burl Tursich is now in Jesus' presence. Uh, She uh, uh, went uh, this week after a years, years long battle with cancer. Uh, There'll be a celebration of her life on Saturday, October 9th at 1.30. So many of you know uh, John and Burl, and I'm sure many of you would want to be a part of that. Um, One thing that uh, COVID, one of the many things COVID threw a monkey wrench in was visiting you in your homes. And one thing that I really enjoy uh, about visiting you in your homes is you show me stuff. Right? Uh, there's, maybe there's pictures on the walls or, uh, you know, mementos of places you've traveled or special uh, events in your life. And they tell a lot of your story. And uh, uh, that's, that's important to know. In the description that we are, uh, we are just entering this nine-chapter um, vision that God has given the prophet Ezekiel. And it's a picture of life when Jesus returns. After that horrible seven-year time where sin is just shown to be as ugly as we imagined and even worse, uh, the tribulation time, Jesus returns to earth to rule and reign. He fulfills his promises to the nation of Israel. And this temple that he describes in so much detail is going to be the focal point of the, the life, the spiritual life of the nation of Israel. And he he describes all these details, just kind of like the stuff in your house. And it's meant to, to show how important a relationship with Jesus is, how important that, that time when we uh, uh, get to know God and, and grow in his presence are. And today, right now, if you've believed in Jesus, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you individually, and he lives in us. And 
this, this passage, I mean, there's, uh, there's kind of two ways we could take it. One, we can just kind of read it and our eyes glaze over and we go, oh my gosh, all these numbers, I, I'm, I'm having trouble here. Uh, another is to realize this is, this is how important our relationship with God is. And we are the temple of God and, and how we can appreciate the importance of being in his presence, of living in his presence, even now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, um, we bow before you and, and we worship you for who you are, for what we've, you have done for us, and for the fact that we are able to live in your presence now and will for eternity. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what you've done. And so we, we just ask that in the midst of all these details contained in this chapter, that you'd open our eyes to see the importance of living in your presence, individually and as we gather at times like this. And at home, if you're uh, watching this at home, too. We love you, and we just thank you for your presence. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week in chapter 40, as this uh, vision unfolded, um, Ezekiel, you can see, he's just a detail wonk. You know, uh, maybe some of you are that way, too. You're just you are just enthralled with the minutiae, you know, of whatever it is we do, whether it's work or baseball or whatever. You know, you're you're the guy that quotes the, the gal that quotes the stats and the details and the numbers. And that's Ezekiel. Right. And uh, he he mentions this was on the, the 10th day of the month of Nisan, year 537 B.C. Well, that day was significant because that would have been when the nation of Israel began their celebration of Passover, if they could, but they couldn't because the temple was in ruins. Jerusalem had been destroyed and they were in exile. So seeing this vision was such an encouragement to a guy like Ezekiel, who was a Levite. He was a priest. He had nowhere to serve the Lord. And so here's an encouragement. God is going to keep his promises. And remember, that was one thing we looked at last week, is that there may be promises that we have that we go, wow, Lord, they just seem so distant, so uh, disconnected from our reality. Well, God keeps his word. And we can trust him. And that's what Ezekiel is, is realizing. And he describes this temple that he sees. An angel takes a, you know, a, a rod that was 10 feet long and then a, a, um, a long string that had marks on it for measuring even longer distances. And he tells him all these details about the temple. And this is not... The temple that Solomon built, that was the one that got destroyed. And it's not the second temple, which was much smaller in scale, um, nor the one that Herod kind of refurbished, nor is it an allegory of the church. This is a real building. It's yet to be built. And um, we left off last week, the angel 
that is leading uh, Ezekiel on this tour. He measured the gates and the courtyard, and he stopped at the threshold of the temple. And so today we go on the inside. And I am so personally grateful to the artists at um, BibliaPrints.com. They gave us permission to use their animated 3D depiction of this temple, and it so helps you to be able to, to envision what is being described. The, uh, this chapter is a little shorter, so I will actually dare to read some of it. Um, verses 1 through 4. Uh, next, he, the angel, brought me into the great hall. That's the holy place is what it would be called in the tabernacle in the temple. And measured the pilasters. Those are the support columns. On each side, the width of the pilaster was 10 and a half feet. The width of the entrance was 17 and a half feet. And the side walls of the entrance were eight and three quarter feet wide on each side. He also measured the length of the great hall, 70 feet, and the width, 35. He went inside the next room and measured the pilasters at the entrance. They were three and a half feet wide. The entrance was 10 and a half feet wide. And the width of the entrance's side walls on each side was 12 and a quarter feet. He then measured the length of the room adjacent to the great hall, 35 feet and the width 35 feet. And he said to me, this is the most holy place. Now, the... There are similarities between this temple that will be rebuilt when Jesus comes to rule and reign on the earth as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the one built by King Solomon. There's quite a few similarities, but there are differences as well. And on your own, you can read about King Solomon's temple and kind of the details, just like here, uh, that's in 1 Kings chapter 6. It kind of helps you to picture this one. And uh, so at the entrance, the angel and then Ezekiel, he writes this down. He describes the doorway and then we walk with him in through this 17 and a half foot wide doorway. It's pretty big uh, into these, this great hall, which would be the, the holy place in the tabernacle and the temple. And then in verse three, the angel goes on alone into the next room. That would be the holy of holies. That would be where the high priest was allowed once a year with a blood sacrifice where he would offer atonement for the sins of the people. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant would be. But it's at this moment that we see some noted differences between Solomon's temple and this one. And the biggest difference is that Solomon's temple, remember, looked forward to Jesus' sacrifice. The millennial temple is built after, and it remembers what Jesus has already done. First, we notice there's no veil. There's no veil between the holy place and the holiest of holies. That veil, as you remember, when Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross, God tore in two. And we now have access into the very presence of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, there's no longer the Ark of the Covenant either in the Holy of Holies. And no, the Raiders didn't get it, okay? Uh, it's no longer needed. 
That was, remember, that was a picture looking forward to what Jesus was going to do on the cross. He's already done it. He's, his blood has paid for the redemption of you and me and everyone that trusts in Jesus. And so now it's gone. And it's no longer needed. Now, Ezekiel didn't go into the Holy of Holies because Jesus had not yet died. But here's the situation for us. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary, that's the holiest of holies, through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. That's our privilege. We are able to go into God's presence right now. And, and even greater, God, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the temple of God. We can live in his presence right now. And wow, it's just, it's a goosebump thing when we realize it. There is neither a high priest anymore nor a king in this millennial temple because Jesus Christ is both. And so we have this, we have this privilege and it's something that I think as we go through this chapter and this vision uh, that God means for, to, to sink in more and more, we get to live in God's presence right now. How do you respond? to being in God's presence. Ezekiel, we know how Ezekiel responds. He's a detailed guy. He kind of reminds me of somebody, of like a scientist, uh, kind of a nerdy, somewhat geeky guy, right? Who, who looks in uh, a microscope or through a telescope and he goes, whoa, I can see, you know, five times the power of 10 stars in this or microbes. And, and he's just overwhelmed at the details. And he writes them down. Some people have a more emotional Response at being in God's presence, like King David. And, and I'm going to just read a couple passages, and they should remind us that the Bible is full of references to this time. This isn't just a, a one-off thing. God is going to keep his promises, and they're mentioned over and over again. This is what King David says. In Psalm 27, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. David was a musician. He was creative. And so he, he is, is speaking about expressing his joy in living in God's presence in his unique creative way. Levites from the, the sons of Korah, they were also poets and musicians, and they described the joy of the emotional experience of being in God's presence. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. 
Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. It's like, I want to be just like those birds that nest in the, in, in the little nooks and crannies in the, in the temple. I want to be like one of them. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. <laughs> Selah, think about that. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be at the door of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. So how do you respond to living in God's presence? Are you in awe of the facts of all that Jesus has done in your life, the, the, the details? Or do you respond in a more emotional way? And there's room for all of those responses and more. But the important thing is realize that we get to live in the presence of the living God together right now. And if you haven't believed in Jesus, that's one of the many, many changes that will take place is when you believe that Jesus died in your place for your sins to make you right. And he's the only way to make you right so that you might have a relationship with God. You, you are brought at that moment from death to life. And you have the relationship. You have God, the Holy Spirit, at the moment you believe. And you have what, what these uh, psalm writers are describing. Now, verses 5 through 11, I'm, I'm kind of going to paraphrase what, what they describe because it is one of the most challenging uh, parts of this visually to imagine. Uh, uh, there are three stories surrounding the, you know, the rectangle of the holy place and then the perfect cube of the Holy of Holies, there are a series of rooms, 30 of them, in fact, on three stories. And each story is, is built in a pretty unique way. Each one extends further out than the last. And, and so that the, the tallest, the third story, extends out the, the furthest of all. Now, King Solomon had rooms similar to this in his temple. And again, the, reading that description can help you visualize this. Um, they start out kind of narrow rooms on the ground floor. They're seven feet wide, and then they grow wider on each successive story. And they grow deeper as well because they extend further out. Now, they're built on a wall that's ten and a half feet thick on the base. It's pretty substantial. And then there are ledges built so that the, the, um, each story doesn't intrude, the support work for it doesn't intrude into the temple. The temple is kind of its own unit, and it doesn't have any, it's, it's not part of the structure of these other um, these other rooms. Now, the rooms were used by King Solomon for storage, for storage of offerings, because they didn't have a bank back then, right? They couldn't go and make a deposit, and so they stored them in these, these rooms. In fact, we know that uh, you read further on in 1 Kings that not long after Solomon's death, those rooms began to be looted by other kings, uh, kings of other nations, kings of 
Israel and Judah and then kings of other nations as well. Um, then there is this space in verses 8 through 10. It's called an open space. And that's like a, an open courtyard in a C-shape all around the temple grounds. It's 35 feet wide. And then there's this raised area. There's a second open space. It's like a sidewalk that goes all around the, the temple as well. There is this really substantial foundation. It's, it's 10 and a half feet thick by uh, 8 and 3 quarters feet wide. And even in the millennium, they, there's uses for all of these rooms, these 90 rooms. We don't know what all they are. We, we can gather from the way King Solomon used them, that they're going to be used for, for offerings that are given. Even in the millennium, there are gifts that are brought to the temple. And here's Isaiah writes about this extensively. And here's just one example from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For look, darkness covers the earth and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine over you and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your radiance. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah, all of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. Your gates will always be open. They'll never be shut day or night. So the wealth of the nations will be brought into you. So giving. Is, is really important here in, in worship and serving the Lord. And, and our heart to serve and give is, a, is part of that new heart that Jesus gives us when we trust in him. And now size of specific gifts and the amount of service isn't as important as the attitude of our heart. And, and so God notices and he's in the details and it's obvious that Giving and serving are really important uh, parts of his new life in us. Then there's this really interesting thing. I think I've got time to read it. Um, verses 12 through 15. Now, the building that faith, he's describing this building behind the temple. Now, the building that faced the temple yard toward the west was 122 and a half feet wide. The wall of the building was eight and three quarter feet thick on all sides, and the building's length was 157 and a half feet. Then the man measured the temple. It was 175 feet long. In addition, the temple yard and the building, including its walls, were 175 feet long. The width of the front of the temple, along with the temple yard to the east, was 175 feet. Next, he measured the length of the building facing the temple yard to the west with its galleries on each side. It was 175 feet. Got that? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> see what I mean? I'm so thankful for this drawing. Um, there's this large building behind the temple. It's a big one, 122 and a half feet by 157 and a half feet, but... We don't know what it's for. And 
the angel doesn't mention it, neither does Ezekiel. But it's there. It's got a purpose. We just don't know what it is. Doesn't that remind you about so many events that happen to us in our lives? You know, you kind of go, God, why did that happen? Or why did you make me this way? Or what about this? You know, and, and you, you don't get an answer. But we know who God is. And we know we can trust him, even though we don't understand all the details. There's obviously a purpose for this building. He wouldn't go to all this, this trouble to mention it if there wasn't. And now, the, I'm not talking about like some, some catastrophic or traumatic thing. This building's presence isn't traumatic. It's just something puzzling. Enigmatic, right? One thing in my life that used to trouble me much more when I was much younger is why am I so short in relation to other people? You know, I mean, my other friends, I get Jim or Lars or Tony, you know, and, and or, or Merlin, you know, <laughs> and I kind of go, what? What's going on here? And, uh, you know, that was really important to me when I was in high school, right? Um, yeah, I gave a graduation speech, and I was 4'11". I was shorter then, and I had to stand on a box. So I, I, I don't have to do that now. I, for that, I am grateful. But I haven't gotten an answer yet as to why. But, um, you know, it's one of those things I can just trust God with. And you've got areas in your life, too, where you kind of go, well, God, what? What? And... and we may never know the answer, but we know who God is. And just like that, think of the building behind the temple, right? When, when you come across a puzzling moment in your life and you go, okay, I can trust you, Lord. I don't understand, but I know you've got a reason. So, um, and then you have this, this incredible description uh, to kind of wrap things up of the temple yard. The temple itself is 175 feet long. The temple yard building, it's 175 feet wide. Then this enigmatic building in the back, along with its galleries, whatever they are, uh, it's 175 feet wide as well. And we see that the temple is a place of order and beauty. And it's meant for relationship. And it just, this passage has really caused me to pay attention to my inner life with the Lord. You know, uh, what's, what does my time of worship with the Lord look like? You know, is, it, is there some order and predictability? Is it something I look forward to? Uh, kind of like our meals, you know, uh, they, they happen with some regularity. Is there some regularity and predictability to my time with Jesus? Or is it a little haphazard? Do I need to do some house cleaning? Right. Uh, it, it's a good encouragement to to make sure that we're paying attention to our time with Jesus because it's important to him. Now, verses 16 through 20, uh, we go back inside the temple and Ezekiel and the angel notices some artwork. Uh, beginning in verse 16, the interior of the great hall and the porticos of the court, the thresholds, the beveled windows and the balconies all around with their three levels opposite the threshold, all were overlaid with wood on all sides. They were paneled from the ground to the windows, but the windows were covered 
reaching to the top of the entrance and as far as the inner temple and on the outside, on every wall, all around, on the inside and outside was a pattern carved with cherubim and palm trees. There was a palm tree between each pair of cherubim. Each cherub had two faces, a human face turned toward the palm tree on one side and a lion's face turned toward it on the other. They were carved throughout the temple on all sides. Cherubim and palm trees were carved from the ground to the top of the entrance and on the wall of the great hall. Wow. So beautiful wood paneling. And that's very similar to what uh, King Solomon did. He used cedar of Lebanon. You could just imagine the smell of that place. Uh, it would have been just beautiful unless you're allergic to cedar, right? <laughs> like my, one of my daughters, I'm thinking. Uh, then you've got these carvings, these, this regular pattern of cherubim and, and palm trees. And cherubim, remember, they are those four angels that Ezekiel saw and described in chapter 1. Those, you know, awesome creatures. And, and in fact, they're called living creatures by the apostle John in Revelation chapter 4. Uh, they are the cherubim. They're angels that, you know, they kind of defy description. I think if one of them appeared right here, uh, we would all just be freaked out. Um, they, they have four faces. Um, two of them are, are, appear in these carvings. Uh, they, they have the face of a lion, a man, an ox or a calf, and an eagle. Yeah, that would get our attention. And, uh, but they're always connected with God's presence. They are in the presence of God. And, and then we see palm trees. And we saw last week from Psalm 92 that a palm tree can be a picture of a person just flourishing, just growing like mad in God's presence. And what a great, what a great thing to depict in this temple, which is meant for relationship between God and us. Here's these cherubim, God's presence, and palm trees, people just growing like mad, right? And here's, here's a funny thought. We are temples of God. Just imagine for a moment if a building was made to represent you. Right? And we, and we were able to enter it and look around. Right? Since you're a temple of God and since there's some artwork on the walls of this temple in the future, what, what would be on the wall of your temple? What would be some key events from your life? that you would have drawn or carved into the wall of your temple to represent your relationship with God. Now, if you're an artist or even just a doodler, if you're somebody who likes to draw a picture in the corner of your bulletin, you might just start now, you know. Uh, all right, here's something that was on, that would be on the wall of my temple. I know in mine, there'd be, you know, my... my hearing about Jesus as a child. And then when, both, when I met Michelle and both she and I came to know Jesus within a couple of weeks of each other at age 21. And then each of our daughters and the impact that they've had on our walk with the Lord. And then, and then you, the relationship I've had with, with, with you and, and, and how we've grown together. That'll all be on my wall. What would be on yours. 
Think about that. And um, then this, this chapter wraps up by we go back in and we uh, visit the, the holy place and then the holiest of holies again. Uh, verse 21, the doorposts of the great hall were square and the front of the sanctuary had the same appearance. The altar was made of wood, five and a quarter feet high and three and a half feet long. It had corners and its length and sides were of wood. The man told me, this is the table that stands before the Lord. The great hall and the sanctuary each had a double door, and each of the doors had two swinging panels. There were two panels for one door and two for the other. Cherubim and palm trees were carved on the doors of the great hall like those carved on the walls. There was a wooden canopy outside in front of the portico. There were beveled windows and palm trees on both sides, on the side walls of the portico, the side rooms of the temple, and the canopies. Now, the, the angel and then Ezekiel point out that the entrances to the, to the great hall and the holy of holies, they're square. And both of them have double doors on them, but they're doors that, that swing open vertically. They're hinged vertically, uh, kind of like what you might have in a closet, right? Where they're, they're louvered, they, they open up. Uh, now, that would certainly provide much easier access than would a curtain that was as thick as a person's hand, which is there no longer. And although it was there before, uh, this time the angel describes this altar. It's a made of wood, so obviously there's nothing burning on it, right? And uh, it is the altar that in the, the sanctuary and then the temple, it was where what was called the showbread, bread that was offered as an offering, where it would be put and where incense was burned. Now, the priest would eat that bread that was offered, and that's just a picture of fellowship. So here, an incense in the Bible is connected with prayer over and over. So here we have fellowship and prayer occurring in the presence of God. And those things should be incorporated and part of our worship of Jesus. Now, considering all these details, how can we live in a manner where we are simply more aware of the presence of Jesus? We don't have to wonder. He's here already. He is in us individually and collectively. And all these details show how important that relationship is. And so, you know, is there any housekeeping we need to do? Do we need to maybe go about our quiet time with Jesus in just a little more purposeful, orderly manner than we have. And worship is, is something that, I mean, we do it when we're doing anything for the Lord. If you are creative, you are worshiping God in the manner in which you create. And it includes music. That isn't the only way we worship, but you know, the, the music team, uh, it's their privilege, their responsibility to lead us together into the, in the presence of God. We are already in his presence, but he, their, their job is to kind of wake us up and, and help us realize we are there and, and here's who God is. And so we want to be praying for them because they love what they do, but it's a 
big, it's a big responsibility that they have. And all of us probably have those puzzling, enigmatic moments in our life. We kind of go, huh, God, what, why? And we know that we, could, we may not ever get the answer to them, but we can still go on and trust God and know that he has a reason for them, even if we don't understand. And, and finally, remember, our, just like the temple was meant to display God's character, who he is, and promote that relationship, we individually and as a church are meant to display who God is to a world that doesn't know him. And when they look at us, they need to go, oh, they, those people are of a certain political persuasion. No. Oh, they're trying to sell me something. No. Okay. They know Jesus. There's something really different about them. They know Jesus. And uh, let's be encouraged to show his life. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we are just so thankful that you live within us and we get to worship you even, even now again. And um, Lord, help us to just be more aware of your life, your presence in us individually and as a church. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, you have been listening to our series, Kingdom Come, where we have been discussing living in God's presence as he has made us into the new temple. We pray that you are both challenged and encouraged by God's word today. Join us again next week as we continue on in the book of Ezekiel. The dream is that Hilltop is a home for the growing family of God. We are so glad you're a part of the family.